thank you so much, Jersey, for, for taking the time today. I appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I first discovered you from uh, Tim Ferriss' podcast when you went on with Naval. Actually, before that, uh, it was just an episode with, with Tim and Naval, and they talked about their trainer, who they called uh, Victor, who, uh, who you know they couldn't say enough good things about, and then eventually they had the conversation with you. So I was able to learn more about you, and uh, you're a world weightlifting champion, and you've got world records. You've got this happy body program and helped uh, coach the weightlifting team. I think you founded the weightlifting team actually at UCLA uh, and just have like a super fascinating story beyond the weightlifting itself. So uh, if it's cool with you, we'd love to kind of start uh, as early back as you're, you're willing to go to hear kind of your story, because uh, I know it's a super interesting one back from, you know, even when you were a boy in, in Poland to uh, everything that's brought you to, to where you are today. Uh, yeah, well, um, thank you for having me. Um, well, my story is very rich, so um, you would need to you would need to spend probably lots of hours here <laughs> in order to cover uh, some of it. But you know, uh, I started in Poland, and I was born in 1954, and um, everything was, uh, and you know, in a very poor. Uh, uh, family. My father was a steel factory worker and uh, worked for you know, 40 years. I remember he retired and got a watch and, and that's how it was. We lived in a, a two, a one bedroom apartment actually. We had like a, a four kids. They had four kids and we all lived in these two rooms. Uh, that, but you know, I've never felt like uh, we needed more rooms, <laughs> so it was um, the family was uh, was okay, we were just poor, and I was going to school and everything was go good until I was about uh, fifteen. I experienced a lot of bullying, so I guess weightlifting was one of the ways to help myself to get strong in in life and build something that I was weak at because I was short, so I was only 5'5". Five, five, so uh, boys in yeah, in Poland, uh, usually 5'10", uh, 6 foot, and big boys, even in the elementary school. Uh, so, but I um, built the, the power through uh, Olympic weightlifting. I really loved Olympic weightlifting and uh, was really good at that and fell in love with uh, Olympic weightlifting. High school for me was really hard because uh, I was always math, uh, physics and chemistry major. So uh, Polish and history was something that was really hard for me to pass. And uh, because of that, uh, I fell into darkness and from 15 and a half to 18 and a half. I was uh, an alcoholic, daily basis, uh, blackouts and yeah, all of it. No work, no school, nothing. And uh, I was saved by somebody that uh, became my friend and you know, uh, blessed in life. It was amazing. And at 19, I started uh, having again a hunger for education and, 
And actually, from 19, I never really uh, stopped educating myself. It's amazing, actually, that this uh, five years, four years gap created such a hunger for education. At, uh, um, at 20, I went back to high school to finish high school and then uh, finished at uh, 24 and then went to fire protection engineering. Actually, I was the fireman since I was 19 until 24. Then I went to the fire protection academy in Warsaw. Studied there for four years and 1981 happened and it was the time of uh, uh, fighting uh, for power and solidarity fought for power and the government, the communistic government fought for power and they wanted, the government wanted to pass the law to use the fire department against demonstrations. So then um, uh, we, uh, we didn't like the idea and we began the strike in, uh, yeah, in 1981. Ended up 10 days after uh, with uh, sending the uh, anti-terroristic brigade and helicopters, tanks and uh, uh, all the powers and they took us out. There were 400 of us inside in the building on, on a strike. So after that, uh, I, you know, was try to uh, educate myself, but in Poland was uh, everything was closed for me. So wherever I went and found something to study, then uh, I was found to and and asked to live. So then in '84, <clears throat> I was underground with uh, in Jerzy Popiuszko's uh, place uh, in Warsaw, Jolibush, and. In 1984, he was captured by four policemen and was tortured and, and martyred. And he was uh, in 2000, uh, I think, 18, was declared as, uh, by Catholic Church, Church as a saint. And, and 2019, I went to Poland to receive this uh, award uh, for um, fighting for the same cause. And uh, the cause, you know, the, the words that Jersey was, is remembered, there was uh, three words that uh, he's remembered. It is the truth, love, and forgiveness. And, and these are the words that um, he, uh, they, they are embroidered on the, on the medal. So uh, in 84, when we lost Jersey, it was very, dark time in Poland. Uh, it was, uh, it was a, a very strong uh, and beautiful inspiration for Polish people. It was simply uh, easier to live uh, with him and then with that. In 85, uh, I, uh, I was uh, you know, kind of saved by a weightlifter who told me that uh, uh, that I should leave the country. If not, then I could have real big problems uh, in Poland. So I left in '85. I went to <clears throat> I went to uh, 
uh, Detroit, where my sponsors were, and from there I went to Los Angeles, and my, you know, times began, my living began in LA. And um, I, you know, we didn't have, we have only one backpack with us, and it was uh, uh, all what we have from Europe, my wife and I. And that backpack was lost between New York and, uh, and Detroit. So we, we, uh, we got nothing, you know, we lost everything. <laughs> but, you know, as I am always kind of, a, uh, you know, turning everything, you know, positive. So I said, well, maybe life wants us to really start from, uh, from the scratch in the US. So we lost everything. And uh, the only thing what we had, it was $1,000. And so we spent uh, 400 to, uh, to fly to LA. Somebody was going to help us and somebody didn't come. So it was 11 p.m. We are at the LAX and I'm calling everywhere to find somebody that could pick us up and, and help us to somehow to, to start. And um, Anila, we're, we're very stressful for Anila, but for me, it was just uh, uh, things to do. And uh, we found somebody that came, but couldn't help us uh, with any place to go. So, um, so we, we decided to go to this uh, other man who we were flying from Europe, uh, uh, on a plane to to, to uh, immigrate to U.S. and was living in Las Vegas, and we went up there, and there was another man who lived in a in a room, renting a room in the <clears throat> back of the house, and he let us sleep on the floor up there, and that's where we began sleeping on the floor there, and and then uh, on daily basis we started walking around to find. Uh, uh, place to work and uh, we walk until Glendale and then we find this gym and I talked to the owner and Aram said well you can come and I, you can start start uh, training coaching people and uh, I will give you five dollars per hour and we can have a try and I said that's fantastic <clears throat> so after about uh, a month, I was getting better in it, and then he was started sending me uh, people for private sessions, like introductory private sessions in the gym. And I started doing that, and then uh, I really liked to solve people's problems, uh, whatever they had. I designed the training, and you know they uh, really liked what I was designing, and they were signing. Uh, with me for private sessions, and it was like that for, uh, you know, uh, for about two, three months, and and I was really working 15, 16 hours a day. I was very successful, and Anela was successful too. And and we uh, after one year we started really uh, working only privately, never advertise ourselves, and whatever we were doing. It works. It means uh, we were, you know, we we were following really weightlifting and then trying to um, 
help people with not really uh, what to do, but aim really major needs that we have in life that would heal our body, which was flexibility, strength, coordination, posture. Uh, that was uh, ideal body weight. And, and when we follow that, no matter what people had, whether people needed energy or people had pains that we uh, could heal our medications and everything was working. We developed microprogression system that people could uh, progress in strength and power. And slowly people were getting better and happier because of what we were doing. That, uh, uh, that created the situation for us that we wanted to, um, to also uh, pass something and put something into the book that would be uh, guidelines for people to actually um, have standards, standards of flexibility, strength, and, and, and power, and, and, and posture, leanness, and uh, how to actually be that. And so we created a whole uh, way of uh, coaching around food, exercise, and, and meditation. So, um, and then we started really uh, coaching according to that for about 10 years and trying to develop the language that would actually cover up the, uh, what we were doing because uh, you know it is uh, easy to kind of uh, do something but actually to explain what you're doing is, is extremely difficult. Actually it took us another 10 years to explain that and uh, eventually we came out with a Buddha happy body and, and had all the tools inside first it had the, the standards that we need in life in order to live the youthful and uh, life that we'd, uh, we could have it in our 80s and 90s and, in, and could be in a hundred. But the life that would be life of a quality, life of that, uh, that, would, um, that we could achieve on our own even, right? That, it, we would not need somebody. So in 2009, we published a book and we thought that that book uh, would uh, be the, um, would be enough for people to uh, have tools and create this wonderful life for themselves and, and uh, create the progress uh, of goodness over time. Well, as you know that uh, one thing is to know what to do and the other thing is to deliver to actually make it happen. So um, that making happen was not happening. So we understood that there is a lot of uh, mental work that we need to do and, and we started um, uh, creating a philosophy of the happy body with um, fatalists and the master and, and, and trying to uh, see the choices and expose the choices uh, when we make, uh, when actually the hard choice uh, is presented to us and whether the fatalist wins or, and, and the master and, and because of that our life is according to our choice. And the, definitely the need uh, was there. We had tools, 
that we could watch ourselves doing wrong and actually uh, unable to stop it. So we reach to philosophy, to stoicism for help. We reach to uh, poetry and we reach to uh, uh, playwriting and creating lots of books uh, around uh, philosophy of uh, helping people to uh, to build that inner strength with that would be more a virtuous strength that would help people to choose their hard choice and escape the easy choices in life and and because of that improve their life and um, and that is very uh, helpful. Uh, right now, the last 10 years, that was the books that we created, the whole philosophy around. And uh, today, people start recognizing that uh, the, the whole exercise system is a mindful system. It is the, it is the singular, singularity system. So, you know, once we do the happy body, we do only one thing at a time. So there are six things that happens during repetition. The inhale is one, then there is a flexing certain body parts. There is the lifting, there is, uh, there is the stretch and there is also the uh, return and exhale. That works like kind of a, like a mantra, these six things and it rolls itself with every exercise, every repetition and it is not really a rush that is important in the happy body, but it is really, what is it important is that calmness of the mind that actually releases the, the stress, you know, when people could have during the, during the, uh, the day. And as we know, the, the, the more we go into the day, the, the more we resist temptations and because of that we burned our self-control and we burned the, the energy uh, that could help us to uh, resist um, wrongdoing and therefore we uh, we created um, work that uh, is around virtues and work around poetry that could help us to recharge uh, during the during the day at the end of the day especially and the the happy body routine exercise routine can work you know with that so we today we have um, we have the tools for a better skillful uh, way of living and we can create uh, that skill of living on our own uh, using the happy body or uh, we can also get help with a mentor and that if we really need that. But the book is created uh, with full transparency. So it's a hundred percent transparency. So science is, uh, is numbers and every standard is, uh, uh, is in numbers, shown in numbers, uh, beginning with flexibility and moving into the ideal body weight, leanness and, and, and strength and speed and, and, uh, uh, and the posture. Well, one thing uh, during the creating the happy body, the, the strength was very difficult to, uh, 
to find out how strong should people be. And uh, I was at the World Championship in Melbourne in 2002, and I was watching this uh, Australian uh, lifter uh, lifting. He was eight years old, and uh, Charlie Henderson, and then he uh, could lift weight equals his uh, body weight. And I was, I was, I was thinking, wow, eight year old lifting. Uh, weight equals his body weight. And I was just thinking when we were, you know, like in, when we were 14 and 15 and lifting the, the weights and, and the other boys were 16, 17, and we were lifting outside of this apartment building and then trying to find out who is the strongest. And the strongest boys could actually lift uh, weight equals the body weight. So <clears throat> I was watching eight-year-old and I was just thinking, wow, he has the same power as we had when we were, you know, in our teens. That's, that's really amazing. And I thought that should be our standard. And I transcended all the numbers and created the exercise that actually would um, uh, be equal with the strength necessary for that, created the standards and strength. And that, it, was the, the last thing that we really needed. Uh, the leanness was also uh, interested in the, as a standard because you know that we can be 120 pounds and you can be, um, you can be 120 pounds and you can be obese. So let's say if you are 120 pounds but you have 30% body fat that you are obese. So obesity is, uh, body fat percentage and it is not really uh, how big we are. You can be 100 pounds and obese and, you know, I coach a lot of uh, uh, people um, who were 100 pounds and obese at the same time. So the leanness is important. So during the, the time of, of living, we, uh, we lose our uh, strength, we lose our uh, muscle and become more and more fat and you can be 60 or 50 years old and you can be 30, 40% and you can be 100 pounds and you can be obese. So it is important to know that. So how would you know that? Uh, the happy body tells you that. And, but that, for that, you, have, you need somehow to calculate the you know, body fat and then see how your ideal body weight is according to your, your height. And then when you put together everything, you can find out you know, uh, what you need to do to, to get better. So all is about to getting better. When you have certain tools now what to do in life and the tools that uh, you need to, you will be using, if that tools uh, have the purpose of making you better, then it's a hard choice because uh, becoming better means really uh, to overcome, you know, certain levels that you are and, uh, and then improve yourself. That is challenging for the mind. The mind uh, is challenged and then the mind is asked to for a lot of virtues like being patient, delayed gratification, microprogression, and uh, they all, everything in the mind that would 
self-discipline, self-control, everything what is actually needed to improve. And that's what we left our last, uh, spent our last 10 years to develop that, uh, that possibility for people to, uh, to choose the, the, the hard choice, to uh, being exposed to tools that uh, re re require improvement and um, people can actually uh, be attracted to their hard choice and build a better life for themselves. So in a short, <laughs> uh, that's the story. I love it. I love the story. And I would add, you know, to master weightlifter and uh, poet, uh, maybe, and uh, I would add storyteller to your list because that was pretty amazing and definitely, if not the best story I've heard on the podcast of, of someone's life, certainly one of the best. Um, so I, I appreciate you sharing it and uh, and going into enough detail uh, for, for where you should and, and where it's, it's very interesting. And I'm sure you could have talked for another few hours. Uh, so I appreciate you giving me a little bit of time to, to ask some questions as well. Uh, one thing I, I want to start with is you ended on this subject of uh, you know, once you have the tools for improvement, it comes down to making hard choices. Just because you know what to do doesn't mean it will be easy. You have this quote, um, you know, hard choices, easy life, easy choices, hard life. And I think this, you know, parallels your, your comment on master versus fatalist. And, you know, the hard choices quote is, is easier for me to understand. I'm not so sure exactly what you mean when you talk about master versus fatalist but i get the sense that the fatalist is kind of that force that leads you to making the choices that you know are wrong um, but in the moment you just those are the choices that you make for whatever reason is that right and can you can you talk a little bit more about uh how this fatalist can get the upper hand inside a person and what someone can do to kind of become the master so the after the publishing the book, uh, I was uh, uh, working with my clients who were coming regular uh, to our place uh, once a week. And I noticed that they have tools and they have me there and they still uh, do the wrong choices, easy choices, right? And as I started really seeing that the um, the voices in them that they have certain uh, voices uh, in certain different times so uh, and they suffer because of it uh, they suffer consequences of of choosing uh, what is wrong right and not able to uh, to improve because of it it, it is uh, like a, a kind of a, like a broken uh, record that you um, you start repeating the same uh, over and over and you don't get better. Because why? Because we um, are attracted to something what is, uh, uh, what is easy at that time. Or, you know, uh, we have self-judgments and we start believing that we are not good enough or we are stupid or, or we, uh, we did wrong so we will do, keep doing wrong and, and uh, the, the negative choices are really horrible. Then we can start really complaining also that uh, it, we are too old and, and we are 
it's it's not for us uh, or uh, the food industry you know is uh, is pounding on us uh, let's say and if you we uh, are these victims in in the world and this this uh, uh, this fatalistic uh, uh, lines and voices are very strong in us and I noticed that Start, I started really uh, uh, writing stories of my of my clients and then I created three books of uh, fatalist and the master and then I uh, created dialogues uh, dialogues that they were interspond to different situations let's say you are the dinner and uh, there's a buffet dinner and then you uh, you're exposed to the buffet dinner but also you follow certain uh, diet that um, that can uh, help you to let's say overcome diabetes right and okay and then you set it up and and now how you respond to that is is, is crucial for you for your life and then uh, I responded to that what happens in a person from five different perspectives. Uh, first perspective is the fatalist, 100% fatalist, very powerful fatalist. And this one yeah, is always negative and always in complaining, it's always blaming and always very negative to, to itself. And this is, you know, very uh, uh, unusual. This is the suicidal, uh, a place in our life where we uh, don't have any hope, uh, zero hope, zero, zero possibility to come up. Usually in, we are in that situation, we have to get the help from outside. Then I, that's just the only one voice inside. Then there is a, uh, a person that has 25% master voice and 75% fatalist voice. This is the situation when somebody says uh, oh well this buffet let's let's eat a lot and the other master says it's 25 percent so it's uh, the voice weak voice he says yeah but if you have diabetes maybe you know we eat a little bit oh come on this is really a, a, a good day look you know this is the buffet we can eat a lot and so uh, the the master says yeah, yeah, I understand, but you know, what about diabetes? I forget about diabetes, the fatalist. It's very 75%, very powerful. And then follows uh, what the fatalist want. So it can be that people are in uh, locked in this uh, percentages uh, uh, when they, uh, they live life and they have very strong fatalist inside. And then there is a 50-50. A very interesting debater that uh, we uh, almost all of us live in this uh, time where we want to do something but also we have another voice and uh, not to do it and then there is this struggle in us to actually um, uh, and after the struggle uh, if the fatalist you know of course wins that we do something what is not good for us and the opposite when you know when the master chooses so now uh the the war begins of the voices and the purpose of this books that i wrote would be to outsmart the fatalists and then how to actually do it that the whole dialogues i created so at the end of the dialogue how the 
master is talking to the fatalist, it then comes out with outsmarting the fatalist and doing what is right as a kind of a test. So then, um, then uh, the next stage is when the master is 75%. This is the time when uh, we are uh, really aligned with what is good for us and what is right. And it is, uh, the fatalist is very weak, 25%. So, you know, these are the people that are very uh, powerful in life and then they do always what is, what is good for themselves. So that would be somebody, let's say, uh, when somebody is 20 years old and knows that will retire one day and there is no problem for that one to have hundred dollars, you know, uh, a month to put into saving or investing or something like that. Or if, if somebody uh, is, let's say, uh, uh, is overeating, then knows it's overeating and it's easy for that one to, uh, to stop doing that and correcting that. That would be a uh, 75% master. And there is a 100% master. This is the time where uh, people are incredibly uh, beautiful and graceful. And they not only uh, are good for themselves, but good for everything around. That would be, you know, uh, Buddha, Jesus, and, you know, uh, Martin Luther King, let's say, Jersey Popiwoshko, that would be this kind of people. So um, at the end, these books, because there are three books. One is dealing with uh, mastering food choices. The second, mastering exercise choices. And the third is mastering the uh, rest choices, recovery choices. So the, at the end of the book, there is this practice that people can practice the voices. And uh, once people start practicing the voices, they more, are more aware to find their own voice and the power of that voice, what's happening inside their mind. So that helps to identify uh, who you are you know, in a way. And then practicing writing and then can help the person actually to end up with this 51% master versus, and then 49% of fatalists and start really and reversing the wrongdoing in life and building the progress of, of goodness. Then there is, a, 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 of course, the, a, the, at the end of the book, there is really blank, uh, blank pages when you actually choose the scenarios that you want to respond to and they start responding with different voices. The practice of these voices, uh, creating possibility for the person to uh, know the strength of the fatalist and the master, but also to recognize outside in everyone outside. So when somebody, you start interacting with another human being and that one uses the lines and you, you, after the practicing this, uh, this three books, it's, it's so easy to recognize uh, the, what is the fatalist in the other human being or what is the master and what, what, what is the person built off with these uh, uh, percentages. Uh, and then uh, it can help you right away recognize that you have a master in front of you. And, and if that is uh, true, then you can 
you know, uh, be attracted to that one and, and try to befriend somebody like that and, uh, and get, get help from that one. And then, of course, if you have a fatalist, then, then you better, you know, like go away and um, not to be attracted to the fatalist, even though it can be entertaining, but uh, not really uh, spend uh, much time with somebody who is a fatalist in life, unless you want to actually mentor somebody like that and help somebody like, uh, like that to flip. So this, this uh, uh, flipping is interesting and we, you know, we, we do a lot of work that actually could help a person to, who is a fatalist to become the master. And that's why I've written, you know, poetry and dialogues and, and stories and lectures and also created a book of virtues that would be um, daily practices for modern stoic that is a one-year practice. But this is all uh, about the hard choices. These hard choices challenge our whole uh, philosophical system. And a hard choice always comes with, uh, with the, the purpose of uh, improving, improving yourself beyond the level that you are. It means that the mentally you are challenged and now, according to you know how you are inside, you will be able to follow the hard choice or easy choice. So you talk about the importance of you know improvement and growth and everything with the master and the fatalist. You know the master is the person who can help themselves grow, who can help others grow, and you know you talk about how if you know a fatalist, you know it won't be of much help to you to keep them around and to be around them. But if you're really a master or close to a master, you may actually be able to help mentor them and flip them. Can you talk about the importance of, you know, growing every day as a start, but specifically you've come out with this philosophy of micro progressions and growing extremely slowly, but making sure that it's consistent and every day. And if you start, you know, like me, like I'm in my twenties, if you start growing every day, no matter how small, the growth is as it compounds over time, you have a high likelihood to improve a tremendous amount over the course of the lifetime. When did you start to realize that slow and, and steady growth was the, the kind of key to consistent improvement? And how have you kind of you know, instilled that in, in the people you mentor and the people you train? I think that you know, I experienced that first time in uh, Olympic weightlifting that was the time when I went to a weightlifting uh, gym and, and, you know, there was this weightlifter who lifted about 350 pounds and above his hand, uh, head and it was only like uh, 130 pounds. That's, you know, I, and then dropped this down and it was so heavy. But, you know, that was also, I was supposed to lift in my life. And, you know, I went to this, uh, weight and I couldn't even uh, detach that from the ground. It was kind of uh, impossible to to live. I couldn't imagine that I will lift this weight in my life. It was just like crazy. And coach uh, uh, saw this and said, "Oh, don't worry. Now. In five years, you will be lifting this." And it's just uh, in my mind. Five years, it's not so much five years, ten years. It was just like, 
overwhelming, uh, overwhelming uh, something to do in life, achieve something. But, you know, five years passed and, and slowly I was, you know, monthly and, and yearly improving, getting better and stronger. And after five years, I lifted that way. So everything was achieved uh, in five years and the microprogression was really uh, working and coach was uh, uh, using that system to help me to live that way. That was the way impossible to really live. So there is, uh, you know, in life I see that uh, uh, that microprogression is uh, is extremely important, and it if it is uh, transparent, if, if it is something that you will uh, write down, map it where it begins, and you will create small increments that you can uh, do something in life which is really, really hard to do, like lifting that weight. So like I did, like I was uh, talking about retirement, right? You probably don't have much money or you think that you don't have enough, but that's already fatalist, right? Talking to you. So what is the fatalist? And it's a easy choice is something that is so uh, much around. And it's easy because uh, it's easy to do. It's easy... Uh, to make. It doesn't require from us any improvement, doesn't challenge us, you know, mentally to become a better person at all. It's easy choice. So what's the easy choice? In easy choices uh, is these uh, voices that you have uh, from the beginning of when you wake up. And, uh, and, and it's always something that, you know, doesn't require to uh, get better. So Let's say yeah, you wake up and instead of going to the gym, you say, oh, I will sleep. Okay, then you sleep. That's easy choice, right? And then um, yeah, you have the school that you didn't finish, uh, work, work, homework that you didn't finish, and you don't. Then you go to the breakfast and, you know, uh, let's say you have diabetes and then you want to eat cereal. Say, ah, we'll eat cereal today. Fatalist, <laughs> right? But you know that uh, to eat something that would help you is the hard choice. So it's, um, and you come outside and it's really easy. So to, um, to complain about it's raining and say, ah, it's raining again. It's like, uh, or it's cloudy or it's cold, you know? So uh, we, uh, began complaining and we once we began, began began complaining in life or judging self-judging that uh, we are not smart or we don't have time or we are poor or we are whatever right so whatever is negative so if we do that then uh, we you know we put ourselves down you know so it is uh, very devastating for our inner uh, inner soul, right, or soul, or inner philosophy uh, that we are. So therefore, it's uh, is extremely important to, you know, if you want to come out of it, you have to pick up something, the hard choices. Why the hard choices? Because, you know, uh, it requires self-discipline and self-control, which requires certain virtues. So the hard choice would be to resist yourself from saying it is raining and I hate the rain. Yeah, 
to it would be something and even though you do you know you you gotta say oh it's raining and that's it you don't have to say that you uh, hate the rain or something and then uh, you deal with the rain and and if you do that you know that that we, you will build uh, your quality of believing in uh, in yourself from the perspective of the positive perspective, right? So, uh, and it happens, you know, all the time uh, in life with the, the work, you, you go to work, let's say, and you, you, you drive and, and um, yeah, it's uh, uh, somebody cuts you off and, and, and then, uh, then you become negative about that. So all the easy thing is, uh, is this all negativity that uh, happens to us. And things happen to us, but we don't have to have a judgment on top of it. So um, learning how to hear the, let's say, meditation, we hear the bird, but we don't really um, think about what is the bird and whether the bird, whether singing is beautiful or not. It really doesn't matter, right? So it comes through. We are aware, but we do not act on it. So that's the same uh, uh, way we need to learn to live life that you, uh, you are aware that you are aging and you're aware that uh, you are behind with the homework. You're aware of it, but you don't pass judgment on top of it. This is important to deal with it in the present moment without, you know, judgment on top of them. So how to do it? You know, we need to really uh, find people that they are positive, read books and uh, that they are positive, uh, read poetry, read uh, lectures, read something that is positive always. And listen to people that they are positive, right? And but that's a hard choice to listen to somebody is positive when you actually um, are constantly negative, then it's really a hard choice. There was this <clears throat> um, psychologist that was very positive, Wayne Dyer, that I really like. And I re read his books and listened to his tapes. And, and it is uh, uh, listening to him was always uh, um, feeding me, feeding me something with goodness that, that eventually created, you know, uh, me, right? And when I think about when I listen to you know hundreds of people that way that creates you another one was Thich Nhat Hanh. <coughs> Thich Nhat Hanh is a Vietnamese monk that lives in uh, France and now he is in his night is devoted his whole life to uh, to goodness and to help people to overcome anger and and become a a, a good person and and free yourself from from the, the fatalist that can possess you. So, um, you know, one of the, uh, the routines are important, how you build the routine and how do you look into the life from from master point of view uh, and you don't give in to the, to the uh, weaknesses that you have at that time. Those weaknesses are, is it, that's the fatalist and use them. And in the past, you know, if the past is very powerful and the past is uh, built on, on negativity, it's really 
hard to uh, create different pasts, but to create different pasts would be to, in the present moment, to start really doing uh, what is right and good. It's really hard to do it because then you have the whole past on top of it. That's why you, um, you need to think about how to live in a present moment, how in the present moment accept the, what is it and how to improve in the present moment, uh, the, the present moment. That's why the micro progression is extremely important uh, to have and, and to be aware of it. And in the present moment, forget about the future and forget about, forget about the past, but dealing with that, what is, uh, what is in front of you and, and have the brain, the mind that improves that one that is in front of you. And, and that is coming with always with the hard choice because improving something is always hard. It's interesting to hear you talk about the positive perspective. I, I noticed in telling your story, you know, the way you started, you talked about how your family was in a single bedroom apartment, but you kind of finished that chapter of the story and you said, but overall, good family, just poor. Uh, and then later you, you got to, you know, coming to America, you said how you came with just a backpack and you lost it between New York and Detroit. But you know, you were able to look at the positive side of that as well and, and get yourself to LA and, and whether you were sleeping on a floor or whatever else you were, you know, looking at things, uh, at least for the most part, it sounds like from a pretty positive perspective, was this something that you developed over time? Uh, I know you mentioned, like, obviously you had, you had challenges with, with alcoholism earlier on in, in your teens. Is this something that came to you at a certain point or, more gradually in kind of the micro progression way over time. And, uh, you know, are, are you kind of at the peak of, of your positivity now later in life? Well, as I said, you know, the, the weightlifting was the first one that uh, showed me this micro progression and uh, staying with the present moment and making the every workout this workout that builds and delivers the overlapping of the other workouts and eventually five years is passing and five years is creating, you know, the magic and progress and, and, and awareness of that. And it was delivered to me and I was not the part, I was the part of that awareness I was doing, but I was, uh, uh, inside of that. So after five years, I experienced that. And uh, once I experienced that, I could re-experience that everywhere. You know, that education is a kind of the same thing, uh, very close. You, you want to be a medical doctor, you go to college and, and you study, you study, you study, you study. And then, you know, after eight years, you become a a medical doctor or a lawyer, right? So education has this part, but, but, but that is, is a kind of a, like a, a something, the system you are in, the system that is creating. And in weightlifting, I was also in the system, but doing, doing this to yourself, it's a, wow, that's a completely different story because somehow you have to uh, have this 
power, the strength in you, energy, to constantly pick up something what is really uh, hard to do and control yourself on daily basis. So the um, the other thing that helped me to see uh, uh, the differences between the fatalities and muster and staying the present is the fire department. You know, fire department is a is a place where you you deal with fires and it's emergency. It is something that happens and it's uh, it's not micro progression. It is something that is uh, instant and and you work with it. So then you have this present moment, you know, presented to you. And uh, the present moment is to uh, react to it very fast and in a pragmatic way. Uh, and, and the fires are like that. that requires very fast reactions, instant reactions. And, uh, and you, you are uh, prepared for it as your life is prepared for it. It's a very interesting um, uh, thing that you are building yourself, you are preparing yourself. And when emergency happens, you are ready for it. So it's kind of like the happy body. You, you are training it, you are working with it. And when something uh, happens uh, uh, in life, like uh, then you're ready for it. So it's kind of uh, my client, one of the clients that for me, the happy body is like uh, stitching the parachute, you know, making the parachute and, and I'm eating better, I'm working better, I meditate and day by day, this parachute gets better. And if something uh, happens like it's emergency, like fire, then I will land softly. So it means I'm ready. So in the fire department, that quality is that you uh, constantly educate yourself to be a better fireman. And when the fires happen, and not only you know, uh, educate yourself mentally, but also physically, you train to be uh, faster, to be quicker and so on. So you pr prepare and how to be calm as well. So you know, in the fire department, you have to be calm, you have to be fast, you have to be strong and, and, and you have to be educated to know really what to do in a specific you know, position, time. So present moment, really the fire department helped me to be aware of that present moment and that present moment in life everywhere, right? And how that present moment eventually presents itself because it will be always present moment. And in that present moment, you will be responding to emergency to whatever it is with with yourself and how you are so um, that that is the present moment when when it comes to micro progression is something that you are improving yourself to get ready uh, to become better in whatever it is right if you want to be md or you want to be uh, have better body when you are 80 or have uh, retirement money, whatever it is, is going to be kind of a micro progressive system. And if you are aware of that, then it's easier. It's easier for you because it is still a hard choice, but it's easier for you to uh, to uh, have 
this kind of dollars and to put this kind of dollars or twenty dollars uh, on the side for toward your retirement. You have imagination that is imagination that has forty years of length. So if you have that imagination and pro, pro, uh, progression, macro progression, then you can build this miracle for yourself. So it's, it, it is uh, 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 in life, I noticed that it, this, I am sometimes in this present moment of the emergency. And then I am also uh, in the years of passing and, uh, and creating something better because of the daily hard choices and not giving in to the easy way of life. I uh, personally, because I may be uh, weightlifting, I'm always attracted and I lost this uh, four years of school. So I developed this, uh, this necessity for uh, constant growth and, and, and constant uh, upgrade myself. And it, it could be that that, that drive, uh, if I didn't have it, maybe I wouldn't be what I am, right? But um, it could be that everything, what happens to us eventually uh, creates uh, whatever we are today. And uh, today, uh, well, today after, you know, 40 years of, of, of living and, and creating in the last 30 years, the happy body and uh, dealing with virtues and stoicism, people that suffered and, and, and writing uh, poetry and writing dialogues and, and all of it. My mind uh, created this uh, present moment, that, that, that present moment that I work in. And in this present moment, my whole uh, being is a focus on the on on the one thing when I when I am with somebody, how to uh, how to help that person to accept the hard choice, how to how to uh, how to help that person to fire from within and and to decide, you know, the, uh, for himself or for herself to choose the what is right to do. I'll give you the example actually. So I had this uh, uh, client that wanted me to see his friend, but not really uh, do the happy body yet, just to see him. So I really don't see people to talk. So they have to be ready when they come. And uh, uh, then my friend, my, my client, he said, well, you know, I'm afraid that my friend is going to die if something doesn't happen. And I know that uh, something could happen when you talk to him. I don't know what, but I have hope. So I will pay for the session and you have a session with him. And uh, uh, we'll see what happens. Hopefully something happens. Uh, well, I said, Okay, Clark, I, I will see your friend. So he comes to my home and he comes with his wife, but he, they fly from out of state from somewhere uh, in Nashville. And 
they come specially to you know to see me, and they come and they sit and and I and he's uh, yeah he's not healthy and then of course the whole family is scared that he's going to die right soon, and and I uh, I talk and I talk about thirty minutes about the happy body about life and why we do good things why we. Uh, choose the hard choices, and then there is there can be a better plan or worse plan, and there can be micro progression, and uh, it is good to you know uh, age gracefully and be you know in our seventies, eighties, and and uh, be able to play with our grandchildren and and be able to ski and and surf when we are actually ninety years old and. And, and, you know, after about 30 minutes, he looks at me and he says, I understand all of it, but I don't care. And, you know, I, I was looking at him, but also I looked because uh, wife sat near him. And I saw <clears throat> when he said, I don't care, that his wife, Right, became so sad, and 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 I, the darkness, you know, came up on her very fast, and and I was thinking about how that was related, and it gave me <clears throat> gave me the words to to work with him. So uh, I asked him, so. Do you have? Do you think that you have the right not to care? He says, "Of course, it is my." And said, "I said no, you don't have the right." And he says, "I have the right." I said, "No, you don't have the right." And he said, "I have the right." I said, "No, you don't have the right." And said, "Then he said, why I don't have the right?" I said, "Well, you really messed up. You married somebody. You have two children." And if you were alone in the world, you would have that right. But you are not. So you cannot say, I don't care, because your body doesn't depend, doesn't belong only to you. Now, it belongs also to your wife. And wife cares. And I saw how it is important for her. You know, so you are healthy. Also, your children as well. So if you think about your children, about your wife, bring yourself, and whatever you do, it doesn't belong just to you. It belongs to the whole family. So after this discussion, they left, and I didn't hear anything about them for half a year. And after half a year, Clark asked me, hey, uh, do you know what happened to my, to my friend? I said, no, I don't know. So he said, he bought your book on a plane and, uh, and he read it. When they landed, they went into Whole Foods, they bought the right food and he lost 50 pounds. And in half a year, he's very healthy, exercises every day and so on. I said, wow, that's incredible. Well, that's the... That's the example, you see, you know, we, we live the life and it's a kind of emergency here is this, 
human being comes and he needs help. And now you are there and with everything, whatever you are, like this fireman, and you will be able to deliver the words of inspiration, the words of motivation, the words of, uh, you know, the master and the hard choices. And, and maybe that will flip that, you know, that person uh, toward what is hard and what is good. And if it does, it's a beautiful thing. But if it doesn't, then you keep really working on yourself. And, and maybe in life, that's how uh, I see life, that you const I constantly work on myself to become a better person because that also gives me that um, preparation when somebody comes and needs uh, something from me that I actually can deliver that and that person can do like that one in the, uh, this example. So it's kind of a mixture of a weightlifter and, and a poet and microprogression at the same time. Yeah, that's that's a wild story, and and I'm glad it worked out in in a positive ending. I was afraid that it it wasn't going to go that direction, um, so it's it's good to hear. And it's it's interesting that you know you have people who come to you, and they want to believe and they want to improve, and even then it's difficult to, um, you know, without your help and your consistent mentorship and training, and them coming to see you physically in person. They maybe couldn't do it by themselves, but then this guy comes and he doesn't want to hear what you have to say or, or he hears it and he says, you know, I get it, but I don't care. And then still, you know, you, you say enough that he then goes in and buys the book and is able actually just on his own without even mentioning it to you to, to be able to make this improvement in his own life. Um, I think it's if someone like that can can go ahead and, and get themselves under control and turned around just on a simple change in perspective. I think it's hopeful for, um, you know, for everyone else who's trying to do something similar. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know, my probably next 30 years of life, if I live <laughs> the next 30 years would be, uh, working on myself to deliver, you know, those words, because, you know, there are always the words to the right person at the right time. You just, we don't know what words. And, and I, I believe that those words are based on your whole philosophy of life. So, uh, you know, whatever you are becoming, it's like this parachute, you know, you are ready or you are the fireman and the, the fire is, is the person, right? And, and in front of you that needs your help. And, everything what you are is challenge. And if, if that is true in a way, then working on yourself, choosing these hard choices constantly in, in your life and improving yourself has completely sense. Like, uh, you know, Stoic's uh, way of constant uh, improvement and making yourself best in life uh, because of the responsibility to the nature. And, you know, it could be that my responsibility to, uh, to people is that I, I'm becoming this kind of a person and that is my call and that is my uh, work on why being here. Yeah, and I think it's interesting how your, 
your calling or whatever you might call it has shifted from uh, seemingly mostly the physical and, and the weightlifting in the earlier days of, of training people to really coming full circle and, and obviously and still includes that physical training component. But now it's, it's the mental and the words that have become kind of the, the focus, it sounds like for you. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's not one or the other, but both together. Uh, and I think it, it makes sense. You talk about how like your training, it's all about uh, on the one hand, it's about the micro progressions, physically lifting more weight, becoming more flexible, but at the same time, the entire process is almost a meditation and working on your mental and developing into, you know, becoming your master and being a more positive person. Um, it's just all very interesting. And it's been a pleasure to uh, to hear all of this from you today, and to hear you explain it in a way that uh, you know I've I've read some of your work and listened to on a number of other podcasts, and haven't had uh, this this insightful of, of a listen thus far. And, and maybe it's just because it's my own podcast and I'm listening a little bit more intently. But um, it's it's been really really cool talking with you. Um, I know you know we, we've already gone well over the time that I, the hour that I scheduled. Um, but I so appreciate you sharing the time today and, uh, maybe, you know, one day in the future, we can, we can come on again and, and resume the conversation for a part two. Yeah, sure. I know when, what I want to add to that, what you said that, you know, goodness is inconvenient. Yeah. It is uh, something that, uh, doesn't happen to us automatically, like, um, the opposite of that and to deliver uh, goodness, uh, you really have to choose these hard choices. Tim Ferriss, when he was here, he said, you know, I watched the microprogression. Actually, he named the microprogression. He said that what you are doing is microprogression. I, you know, he gave me the words, I, what I was doing physically, like you said, but somebody give, has to give you the words. And he gave me the words for actually naming what I was doing. It was really cool. But also he said, you deliver, you know, so you do certain things and you deliver. So there is a process that we are always in life and we do certain things. And this process needs to lead, lead to, uh, to uh, progress and delivery of something that uh, it needs to happen. And, and for all of that to happen, this, uh, uh, this whole you and the whole you of the other uh, person has to somehow be uh, involved with this uh, virtues, the microprogression and the uh, uh, hard choices and all of it has to be chosen in, in order to create that, uh, that possibility for uh, goodness to happen. So just in closing up, um, what is the best way for people to go and, and to learn more about your practice? Uh, is it just to buy the, the happy body book and, and commit to that means of training? The best way is just to, uh, to come to the, the happybody.com, uh, the webpage, and read a little bit. There. There's a lot of resources up there to start and, and start with the happy body book and start creating uh, for you know, for yourself that way of living, and then there are other books, and also I am available every noon. I am available for people 
uh, that have questions uh, that uh, that questions when they are on the uh, on the program and they uh, they are completely creating this uh, way of living independently from me but sometimes they have questions so I'm available for them very cool well uh, and I think it's great that you're doing that making yourself available for the people who are, are reading the book and following the program um, but thank you so much Jersey for for taking the time today and sharing your perspective I'm excited to listen back to this myself and uh, be able to you know sometimes it, it sets in uh, even more the second time you, you hear something. So uh, I'm excited to hopefully take some some lessons from this and uh, apply them in my own life. And and I look forward to reading the book as well. Thank you, Jake, Thank you for uh, inviting me. And, you know, uh, let's uh, uh, meet uh, together again in about half a year, one year. We'll see what we have to say. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Jersey. Thank you. Bye-bye.